Welcome to this very special edition of the KAJ Masterclass, the show which ensures that you profit from your time spent here with experts, either through their industry insights and information or simply learning from them. And today we have with us Supreme Court Senior Advocate Vivek Sutsa, the man who coined the expression, the fundamental right to internet. Apart from a very successful law practice spanning three decades, Sutsar is a prolific writer with six books behind him and many more to come. His books are pioneering works on the subjects he chooses to write on. In his latest book, Progress of Indian Economy, Legislative Proactivism Since 2015, being published by Thomson Reuters, is expected to come out in March, wherein he has talked deeply about Insolvency and Bankruptcy Code 2016, also known as IBC, and how it has impacted the progress of the Indian economy positively. Welcome to the show, sir. Thank you. Thank you for inviting me on this forum. Thank you, sir. Sir, straight to the big question itself. Uh, why have you called the Indian economy a debtor's paradise before 2016 in your upcoming book, sir? Justice Rohington Nariman, in the famous case called Swiss Ribbons, has used the expression debtor's paradise or the Indian economy, prior to 2016, the scenario in the Indian economy was something like this. Many corporates would take loans from banks and financial institutions. They would default in the repayment of the loans. While defaulting in the repayment of the loans, the incumbent managements would continue to be in the driver's seat. So while on one hand, they would be defaulting towards their loans, but the incumbent managements would continue to run the companies and enjoy the fruits from those companies. Now we all know that asset stripping you know, where the assets of the company would be sold at throwaway prices and, and the excess would be recovered by these managements under the table. Then you had over-invoicing and, you know, and you make money out of that. Over-invoicing, under-invoicing. So a lot of shareholders' money or the money that belonged to the financial institutions and banks would be siphoned away by these corporates and the managements would enrich themselves at the cost of the corporates. You know, I, I, I recall the statement of uh, Mr. Raghuram Rajan, the former RBI governor, when he said that India is a peculiar country you know, where the promoters become rich and richer and their companies become poor and poorer. So, you know, so, so, so while the companies are defaulting in the repayment of the loans, the companies are bankrupt, but the promoters of the companies would be enjoying vulgarly ostentatious weddings and birthday parties. So this was the scenario of the Indian economy prior to 2016. Right. 
So how it has now changed the economy? In this economic survey also, the government said that it has actually brought in a lot of behavioral change in how, you know, people are looking at their distress about on their balance sheets and everything. So that is one part, but how do you see uh, this, uh, this bringing a change, uh, change for the Indian economy? Before I address this question as to what are the changes that have come into play post the IBC 2016, let us examine the legislative scenario on corporate bankruptcy prior to 2016. In the earlier regime, you had SICA, the Sikh Industrial Companies Act of 1985. That was a legislation that sought to resolve corporate insolvency. In other words, to rehabilitate Sikh companies. Now, this legislation failed in its purpose. You know, there were chronic problems in the implementation of SICA of 1985. For example, the process was very tardy, was very slow. Now, by the time you had a revival plan to rehabilitate a company, a Sikh company, that revival plan would be challenged in the courts of law. And the courts would take years and decades to decide upon the rehabilitation package. And when it was decided by the court, by that time, the revival plan became obsolete. This was a, this was a major problem with SICA of 1985. Another problem was that the incumbent managements, the promoters of these sick companies, continued to be in the driver's seat. They continued to manage these sick companies. So they were never interested in actually a revival package coming into play because they, they feared that they would be thrown out of the company and a new set of promoters would come into their shoes. They didn't want that to happen. So delay actually helped them. Or I would say they orchestrated delay in the resolution plan. So, you know, delay scuttled rehabilitation packages. Now, you know, when, when a company becomes sick and it is not revived, it is not rehabilitated within a certain time frame, who are the losers? The shareholders lose their money. The workmen lose their money. The government revenue is affected. So all, all in all, the economy is adversely affected when corporate insolvency resolution is not timely completed. Now this is where we were. Now comes in the insolvency and bankruptcy code of 2016. It changes the scenario. First of all, corporate insolvency resolution process must be completed within a given time frame. I think the time frame, the outer limit is I think 330 days with some exclusions that are permissible. Now I must explain to you 
how the process works. If a corporate debtor defaults in the payment of a loan or other debt in the sum of rupees one crore or more, any creditor can invoke the IBC, file a petition before the National Company Law Tribunal, the NCLT. Immediately, a resolution professional is appointed. He takes over the management of the company and the, and the incumbent promoters, within weeks or months, they are shown the door. So they, are, they cannot participate in the corporate insolvency resolution process. You know, there is a committee called the Committee of Creditors. All the creditors, they form a committee. And by a democratic process of voting, one resolution plan is selected. If it complies with the law, it is given a stamp of approval by the National Company Law Tribunal. And therefore, the company is rehabilitated within a time frame as a going concern. Now, what happens once this happens, you know, the shareholders are able to get the value of their shares. The workmen are given salaries and wages and they, they are given back their jobs. And the revenue interest also is safeguarded because the corporate debtor is now changing hands as a going concern. So the corporate debtor is revived and it starts paying its taxes and discharges its obligations again. So the corporate debtor is back on its feet and therefore it helps the Indian economy holistically. I would call IBC 2016 as a revolutionary statute in the Indian economy. Right, sir. Right. Uh, if you could enumerate the salient features of IBC for us, sir. Some of the important features, I repeat, is the timeline. There are very strict timelines within which the corporate insolvency resolution process must be completed. And if it is not completed, the company is sent into liquidation. That's one. Secondly, the incumbent management is shown the door immediately or within weeks or few months of the petition being filed before the NCLT. Now, that's a very important feature because the incumbent promoters are the ones who don't want to leave the driver's seat. You know, they want to continue to run the companies even though the companies may default. Because as I said earlier, they are enriching themselves individually at the cost of the corporate debtors. And third important feature is that there is no backdoor entry, you know, it, because the concept of related party. Now, who all can apply for resolution? You know, the promoters cannot apply for resolution of the corporate debtor. And any party, any party or any company which is even remotely connected to the promoters is ineligible to file a resolution plan. So, you know, so there is no concept of a backdoor entry. So, you know, you're throwing out the promoters, but through a backdoor, they may want to re-enter. Now, that loophole is not there in the IBC. The IBC also 
gives power to the tribunal to declare certain transactions to be fraudulent because during the process or when when the corporate debtor you know when the promoters feel that they are likely to be taken to the nclt they may actually indulge in asset stripping they may indulge in siphoning of the funds of the company through devious means now the nclt is empowered to declare those transactions that as fraudulent and get back that money wherever it may be parked in india or abroad and i must you know i must say that uh, this government has uh, done a great service to the indian economy by bringing ibc into the statute book right sir right in fact you do been with a lot of corporate cases and you know uh, a lot of you know, people consult you with regards to cases and issues like this so how do you see the success of ibc on the ground i would say it has been a huge success till now the other day i was reading that in the year 2020 or 2021 you know the head of ibbi the insolvency and bankruptcy board of india made a statement that about 190 companies have changed hands since the ipc regime has come into existence now that's a big big success if 190 companies corporate debtors have been rehabilitated now that's a huge impact on the indian economy and uh, ajay some of yes. the prominent companies that have changed hands are bhushan steel for example now bhushan steel has had the management of bhushan steel stands transferred to the tatas right sr has changed hands and gone to arcelor mittal so therefore you know these big names in the industry and they they had incurred huge debts you know run running into 10 20 30 40 000 crores now they are these companies are being brought back into shape they are being rehabilitated by these uh, by the tata group and the arcelor mittal group it's a huge impact on the indian economy ibc 2016 has been a huge success and it positively impacts you know the indian economy uh, you know the magnitude of the positive impact is unimaginable perfectly all right sir in fact in your book sir you have suggested you must have suggested a lot of uh, things in terms of reforms as you said reforms are a, always move in continuity so what are the other things that you think uh, can be done in terms of you know ibc what uh, what more reforms have you suggested in your book as i said earlier you know economic legislations are work in process and the government has been very prompt in bringing in amendments you know right. because you know when you make a complex legislation like the ibc there are bound to be you know some shortcomings here and there so those loose ends are being promptly tied up you know by amendments uh, by this government you know these amendments have been fast tracked by the government of india now having said this there are two or three areas where i will i will want to suggest 
to the policy makers, you know, to bring in reforms in the IBC regime, the infrastructure to adjudicate under the IBC needs to be beefed up. Now, what I mean to say is we need more judges. We need more benches. You know, IPC is a, is, a, is a brilliant piece of legislation, but to implement it, to enforce it, you need the infrastructure. So I would, I would you know, humbly suggest to the policymakers to increase the number of judges, increase the number of benches, and I'm sure the government of India will be thinking on these lines. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. In fact, that's why they have ma also mentioned it uh, about uh, IBC in the economic survey also. But, sir, the, uh, my last question overall, you know, just like uh, on the ground, uh, if you see, how do you see the economy having benefited to this level and how do you see it benefiting further as it goes along? Your, your closing remarks on this. See, the economy comprises of we the people. And by, by saying we the people, I include, you know, the corporate world and the citizens. Now, citizens as shareholders, right. citizens as workmen. And the money that is given out as loan by banks and financial institutions is also taxpayers' money, ultimately. Yes. It is the money that belongs to we the people. In this light, when we see the IPC of 2016, earlier it was a debtor's paradise and a creditor's hell. Right. So, you know, the defaulters enjoyed their lives and the creditors suffered. So the public money was siphoned away into private hands, you know, by, and it was siphoned away by unethical promoters of, you know, of many companies in the corporate world. Now, you know, I, I'm not saying all companies in the Indian economy are an unethical. It's only a fraction. Yes. So now with the IBC coming into play, the shareholders, who have lost money by investing in these corporate debtors, they are able to get back the value of the shares once the company changes hands. The workmen who have lost their jobs get back their salaries, wages, and the jobs. So the employment increases. The money of the banks that is siphoned away, that is lost, comes back to the banks and financial institutions when new promoters are in the driver's seat and they efficiently run these companies. So these, these companies are like engines, you know. So, you know, only when you, when you run the engine, the train will move. Right. And therefore, you know, uh, the, the revenue, the revenue benefits, the shareholders benefit, the employees and workmen benefit, and therefore, all the constituents of the Indian economy benefit. The Indian economy becomes fair, becomes equitable. Yeah. And therefore, in my view, you know, uh, IBC greatly impacts the Indian economy holistically.
Right, sir, right. So they, that itself explains the effect, effectiveness and the positive impact uh, of this particular legislation called the Insolvency and Bankruptcy Code 2016. On that note, sir, it's a wrap on this edition of the KJ Masterclass. Hope to get you again soon, sir. Thank you.